This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. We're sitting in an empty Rams head on stage. Uh, we are here with Carlo Biondi, who is wearing two hats. Actually, today he's wearing one hat. He is the executive chef here at Rams Head, and he is also performing on the 30th of August at Rams Head on stage. So he's, uh, I guess they do it all here in Rams Head, right? That's it. Renaissance. Now, let's talk about the different parts of your life. I mean, you're an executive chef, so you're here putting the kitchen together, making sure that it's running smoothly and also that the menu is what it's become known for, right? That's right. How long have you been doing that? Uh, At this location for three years. And I consider myself a a lucky guy. There's a lot of room here for creativity and a lot of independent thought. So um, a menu design is a big part of it and uh, daily specials and then making sure all the nuts and bolts fit and the the less glamorous creative parts of it. But you go at what you're what you're good at. So and and I will say that, you know, this is one of uh, my girlfriend and my favorite spots to go. I mean, it's uh, the menus are always changing. The menus are always good, and the food is always always solid. Um, and it doesn't matter which one we go to. Do you work for all of the locations, or is it just this I one? I do. In uh, every location has its own chef that's on site, and we do a collaboration. A lot of the ideas start here, sort of like the mothership on West Street. And then, of course, we'll we'll take the original style and adapt it because there's some diversity, whether it's over on the Eastern Shore or up in Crownsville, and each restaurant obviously has its own identity right. and the and the chefs will take it and kind of fine-tune it but yes i have uh, input and impact on all the new menu rollouts that have been going on around and a lot of the changes it's been a, a, a year full of changes with the renovations and i mean everything from the floors to the tables to the food itself and and the staff so i feel like it's a good time an exciting time to be a part of ramshead that's why well, i do like the new renovations here at ramshead uh in the tavern they just uh, are they completely done i didn't notice on my way in but they're pretty Not close yet. to done and if sometimes it feels like will we ever be done <laughs> um, as renovations go but we have made some serious headway we're in the final 90 percent so a lot of pieces have come together. And it's not easy doing it in an historic building that's, uh, I'm sure you've got the Historic Preservation Commission. All. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a, a line that we walk where we're trying to, so I've been coming here my whole life. The first time I came here was to see Victor Wooten and the family band from Bela Fleck and the Flecktones right. here on stage. And uh, Stanley Clark was coming shortly after, and it was like this mecca of, of cool, intimate music. And... Um, I remember the building, and that was, I guess, uh, about 25 years ago. Right. And I remember the building, and it, it's the way I like it. So we try to get that fine line of um, having it be contemporary and, and keeping up appearances, but also without losing the magic of a really old, historic, amazing building, and which is magical to a lot of people, myself included. It, it, it truly is. Culinary background? I mean, did we, fifth grade, were you going, you know, I, I, I want to cook? Well, I would say um, my father was uh, the cook in the family, and— uh, no, we might say Biondi. We'll put put the pieces together here. Right. This is Italian, so this this sort of goes hand in hand with without food. a doubt. Louis Biondi taking it seriously. And it was the kind of house where I'd wake up at uh, eight or nine in the morning. For some reason, you could smell peppers, onions, and garlic. Not not what was for breakfast, but dinner was beginning. But I've always and I, I've always uh, I'm funny. I grew up a picky eater, but uh, my dad really paved the way for trying a lot of different kinds of food. And that food could be fun. That cooking food was fun. It wasn't a chore. Who has to make dinner tonight? It was more of a here's the chance to make what we have and enjoy it. So I always had an interest in it. And in high school, you know, everybody goes and picks their part-time jobs or whatever. And I landed in a kitchen and, um, you know, washing dishes and busting tables, so on and so forth. There was some appeal to the kitchen, you know, and the, and the lifestyle and everything else, which, boy, led to a colorful life, you know, when you're <laughs> rocking and rolling like that, uh, not unlike a, a musical life. And uh, 
I guess I, I started when I was about 16 years old and they would invite, you know, in the restaurant culture, they'll invite you in the back and you can kind of cut up an onion for somebody. They'll see how you do. If you walk away with nine and a half, 10 fingers, then you, you get another project. You can do something else you can cut up and it's a trial by fire kind of thing. But uh, I enjoyed it, you know, and it, it takes uh, a certain kind of person. I feel like a lot of people are chefs, but not everybody enjoys being a chef. And that's why there's, you know, that cliche cranky chef and the throwing the plates and the, the kind of thing that's become the quintessential TV persona angry chef. And in my experience, it's not really like that. There's some of us out there that wake up and we love what we do. And uh, that's what I like to bring with me. Um, a lot of people know how to cook, but not a lot of chefs uh, are patient and still love what they do. I think there's a lot of uh, resentment. You're probably more of a conductor, like in, to an orchestra, right? I mean, because you've got, you know, you've got prep people and you've got, you know, like I say, the sous chefs and, and all the different levels of that produce it. I mean, there's not one person in the back that's completing that entire dish just for me. This is true. Or then you really would have a resentful right. chef because I know what we do here. And, and I have experience in quite a few restaurants and concepts and, and, and levels uh, of service and, and food. Um, I just could never do it all myself. And I really like to think it was a wise. I've had great mentors. So I never went to um, culinary school. I've taken a few classes out in my Boulder, Colorado. I uh, had a couple of people come into a, a company I worked and gave us some classic training. But all that I've done has been through being fortunate enough to have these great mentors. So not just somebody that was a great chef, but someone that was willing to take the time and had an enthusiasm for development. And they would give me these tips, uh, bits and pieces. And I still remember one of them telling me that, you know, I'm only as good of a chef as my kitchen runs when I'm not there. And I never really understood that or I didn't for a while. And uh, this was how he could come in fresh and and ready to create and ready to be the conductor and, and be in good spirits with a, a balance in his life where if you have to be there 24 hours a day in order for things to go your way, you're never going to last anyway. Yeah. So uh, you, you need to... Um, I think having inspiration is important, but you need to be inspiring to other people. They, well, that and, makes and, good sense. We're a good manager. I mean, I know that it's always been a mark that if you go out of town for two weeks and everything goes fine, maybe even does better than when you're there and uh, everybody makes the same decisions that you would have made or close to it, that's the mark of a good manager. It is. And then you wonder, do I still have a job <laughs> when you come <laughs> back? And that means that you've done a good job. And in, in, in my opinion, and of course, this is all hearsay that whether I am those things or not, I don't know. I guess we would have to ask somebody else, but that's what I aspire to be. And that's my. That's fantastic. That's my, What's your favorite dish here currently? My is that like asking who your favorite kid is? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. You put me on the spot there. Um, but I, I love uh, seafood. I love fish and we get in uh, great cuts right now. We always have a, a tuna and a salmon and a mahi available. Anything that's set up. Pacific style. So you have wasabi mashed potatoes, a cucumber namasu, which is just a really nice fresh pickled. It's rice vinegar and you flash pickle a cucumber. So you have that vinegar feel, but the freshness of a cucumber and stir fried veggies. And then our house made Asian barbecue, sort of a gochujang sauce. And it's amazing. It's, it's fun because it's taking ingredients that you've heard of and, and kind of mixing them up. And you're saying to yourself, I don't know that cucumber mashed potatoes and a fish should ever be on the plate. And then we tie them together and uh, in a way that I love. So uh, there's that. The Brie Fritters are a home run because, again, we're on West Street. So I have a job. I feel like kind of a job to do where this has to be pretentious on some level, um, even if it's only an illusion of being pretentious. So we take uptown mozzarella sticks. Everybody knows they like fried cheese and everybody needs something to dip their fried cheese in. So here we are with a, a brie fritter where it's a beautiful piece of brie and beer battered dropped and done with a cherry compote. And, you know, if you, you can pull out and substitute 
the, the pieces here. It's a formula that's time tested, but it's just a little more posh uh, and, and it's familiar. So uh, the brief fritters, if somebody comes in and says, what should I start with? Probably what I'm going to tell them to start with because it's like a fried cherry pie with cheese. I mean, you can't really go wrong. Right. What do you like to cook the most? What type? I mean, I know, OK, we've got dessert chefs and, uh, you know, bakers and sous chefs and everything else. What's, what's a your- soup? <laughs> is my favorite project on any given day. And I like to work. There's different stations in the kitchen. My home station, if I was to jump behind the the line, normally I'm over at the expo, which is where all the food comes out at once. And I make sure it just get Carlos seal of approval or what have you. Um, Ram's head seal of approval before it goes out. If I'm going to jump to a station, saute, and I like making soups. Not into the baking as much. I like to think I can do all of these things. But, man, that baking and how final it is and how calculated it is. <laughs> and I would love to boast <laughs> that these are my strong points. But the thing about being over a saute pan and making a dish from scratch is uh, you can, I don't want to say make a mistake because this is the greatest restaurant in all of Annapolis. And we would never make a mistake. But you can... Um, go back and forth with your ingredients and you can overdo, underdo, find a balance and work with it as you go along. Um, You're not so committed. And that's a saute. That's a sauce. You could say, maybe I want it spicier and maybe I want it less spicy. And you you build it as you go. And I feel like it's an in the moment kind of scenario. And same with the soup is you can start off with an idea. And as you go, you can change your mind halfway through and you have this room for uh, creativity right up until you decide it's ready to serve. So needs a little bit more salt. A little more pepper, a little more spice or whatever it is that, that works with that. A little too much salt. Hey, it's two batches. Let's add some broth. There's right, some- right. With a, with, a, with, a, with a cake or, a, you know, with a cake, it's like, oh, maybe it needs another cup of flour. That's about- yeah, tough luck. <laughs> you're, kind of, you're kind of done. Yeah, exactly. And even a steak, you know, I, I believe in a perfectly done protein or a steak. You're, those guys on the grill, you know, their um, they're patience and their um, ability to have an internal clock. And because when it's done, it's done. And there's no take me backsies on a, a well done steak can never be a medium steak again. And they have to do it time and time again. And they have them lined up across the grill. And, uh, you know, that is not my, I can do it, but that's not where I would thrive. So give me a saute pan and a couple of ingredients and then preferably I'll go somewhere Italian, but take anyway, care of it. Go to yeah, town. take care of it. So. Let's talk about the other half of your life. I don't know whether it's half or how it's divided, <laughs> but you are going to be here with the Biondi family band on the 30th of August. And this is a whole different side of the, the singing show. I mean, are you singing in the kitchen? Uh, I try not to. I've been asked not to. <laughs> oh, is that a, is that a foreshadowing right. of, the, of the show we've got here? But what's, I mean, I mean tell, me, tell me about the musical and how did you get into that? I mean, you're... Well, so I would say uh, the musical interest came well before anything on the culinary side. And it's funny because I won't be able to talk about the music without mentioning some of the culinary aspect uh, of it, too, because the two concepts really coincide, the things I love about them both. But I started uh, cello in elementary school and um, always had a hard time sitting still. And it was uh, hard to keep my attention, which I don't think is unusual for, you know, a, a kid in elementary school. And something about the cello, I could sit down and give it my uh, attention and I, and I loved it. So music was, was really one of my first loves. And Lou, who we talked about, my dad, um, would we would sit around at, at the after dinner instead of turning on the TV or whatever. Some nights he had this cool, I want to say 1967 Martin acoustic guitar. Probably cost about as much as his first car when uh, when him and my mom got their first apartment and he's had the guitar their whole lives and he would have it across his lap and he'd be playing music and uh, he would have all of his songs out and I got some exposure to the Beatles and uh, we were talking for some reason um, 
Well, there was just a huge diversity on a lot of folk, and um, it was beautiful because we would sit down. It would be my two brothers and myself and my mom, and she would sing along too, and my dad would be spearheading the way. And this was the first time my dad looked like somebody other than somebody that I needed to straighten up and fly right for or someone that went to work and came home from work. So there was like a, a way to see that he he had he had more dynamic than sure. I knew, which is a lot to take in as like a five-year-old kid. But yeah. I saw all this, and, and I fell in love and music uh, right off the bat, right up to this day. The first First time I laid eyes on it, it was without a doubt uh, first love. I laid ears on it. But somewhere along the line, I guess I got into sixth grade or so, and I was just not able to, to get the ladies with this cello. It wasn't panning out, but I learned right. if I turned it sideways right. and put a little guitar along with it, there was this cool aspect of being a, a rock and roller. Now, are you a bass guitar or are you... I'm a guitar. Uh, guitar, no, guitar. Yeah, regular guitar. Okay, yeah, because ba- ba- bass players don't get the ladies either. Uh, well, my brother would probably beg to differ, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, there is something about a front man. I guess there's a part of me that's uh, a little loud and obnoxious by nature, and I, I don't mind the attention and, and liked being... Um, really liked writing the song. I didn't mind the spotlight on me or singing a song. Sometimes it would just be the guitar and myself and singing. The first three uh, acts that we did here over this last year was just myself as a solo act because with everything going on, it was hard to get everybody together in the same room to practice, so on and so forth. And we booked it and we didn't feel like we had gotten a lot of time to play together and I did them solo and it's comfortable for me. So I started early and uh, put the bands together in the garage just like, you know, like a Zappa song would pretty much tell the whole story. And, uh, it was cool because one thing I noticed is I like doing original music. So I was listening to bands like Rush and Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin, and I would grab my guitar and I'm like, well, I'm not nearly as talented as any of these people. So there might just be the kind of music I listen to and then the kind of music that I play. And so I started taking these uh, inspirations and, and some of these places where I was getting the sound and developing my own where they were where the music was coming from, but I could write it my own way and become a sort of a singer songwriter, folkier kind of go. And, uh, obviously I've, I've been all over the place in the genres that I've listened to as a reflection of my age and the things I'm going through in my life until I landed down to the Beyondy brothers, which is, I mean, we have a mandolin stand up bass. I do some banjo and guitar and we have four part harmonies. My girlfriend will play the ukulele or the guitar or just sing, keep the rhythm on a box and it's folk music. Um, but that's not what I started with, but it's kind of become a compilation. And so that's what you are primarily. Is that how you classify yourself as, is folk? Um, Folk rock, uh, okay. but it has lots of reggae in it because we'll, we'll pick, uh, we pull all the songs I've written over the last 25 years and we do our rendition of it. So that's really what's cool. Some of those songs have been played over 8x10. Some of them have been played over upstairs in Armadillos under almost thrash metal title. And then I've gone through, dug back up the melody and the harmonies, and we've gone and, and revamped them in a way that we could do uh, outdoor concerts for the family and stuff like that and play, which took zero effort. It happened naturally. We just grabbed the song, then we got to the core of it and kind of put them back together in a way. You said you write your most of your songs yourself? Yes. That's you? Absolutely. Do you write your music first or do you write your songs first? That's funny. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. It goes back and forth. Uh, most of the time, the music comes first and I, I can get something that'll stick in my head. And because time is limited with uh, three kids and, and being a chef and it's just never enough time in a day. So I can get a, a you couple got three of kids. Yeah. So that explains why you're doing the gig. <laughs> you, know, you know, get out of the house and get, get on stage. It's <laughs> a, it can be a reprieve. And um, I'll have a melody in my head and I'll I'll 
work through the day in the kitchen or whatever I'm doing. And I'll have the song in my head and that's where all the lyrics will come from. I'll kind of slowly but surely put them together in a way that most of the time rhymes and the songs will come through. And they're, they're usually a reflection of something that's going on in my life where I can dig back. I have lived a, uh, a very colorful life with all as any chef or musician really would. And it's just on a good day. I remember sometimes I forget that I'm, I am one of the luckiest guys that I know because what I have is a certain amount of energy, sometimes nervous, sometimes not. I have a lot of opinions and I have things that are on my mind. And when it's time for my head to hit the pillow, uh, sometimes it can be like anybody. I don't think this makes me unique, but it's a, it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of things that have feelings and emotions and, and life an amazing thing and it's ups and downs and I have two outlets which makes me a very fortunate person where I can either um, if I'm laying awake at night I can be thinking about what's really going to be the plate that I can make because I love cooking because it's people coming together people having a good time at the end of the day good things happen around food whether you're just hungry or whether you're celebrating something it's a thing of beauty and music it's the same thing I used to hang out in the fish show parking lots and the festivals and and the shows I would go to and it was a good thing good things were happening so I'm lucky that I can take all these feelings I can put them into a song or I can put them into a dish and not everybody has that outlet and then I I hope nobody finds this out but the fun thing about it is both of these things I would do for free. Fortunately, I get paid for it, but right. uh, I go home and I play music if no one's watching. And when I come home, I'm happy to make dinner. And it's not every now and then somebody will say, you know, you're going to cook after you uh, spend all day in the kitchen. You don't have to do that. But the truth of the matter is what I love. And it's not a chore at all. It's how it makes me feel good. And it makes me it's when I feel like I'm at home and to have two outlets to do that. It's just I feel like uh, I should be grateful for, for that. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned you said good things happen when people come around food. And same thing with music and stuff like that. By the way, that sounds like a perfect tagline for a restaurant or something like that. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. When the passion shows and what you, what you do and, uh, you know, you skip out of home to go to work every day. It makes a world of difference in what your product is and whether that would be a new menu that's coming out of Ram's Head Tavern or any of the other Ram's Heads that are around the area or whether it's on stage you know, entertaining an audience of, you know, several hundred people at Ramps Head on stage. It shows when you when you see the passion that's there. So with your band, who all's in your band now? So right now it is my brother, Chris Biondi, his wife, Jenny Biondi, myself, and my girlfriend, Emily Washburn. That's the core. We're going to have a guest violinist on Monday the 30th. Um, but that is the core four. And uh, it has been lots of people rotating in and out on the peripherals of that, but those are the, those are the four and we get busy. So it's, it's, it's one of those cool things too about a family band is, you know, we'll, we can go weeks without getting in touch with each other and uh, we can get very busy and we love each other. And we know that sometimes maybe we take it for granted. Don't say it as often as we should, but if we book just one gig for the pure sake of not going up there and embarrassing ourselves, we'll find ourselves reaching out a little more often, making sure we can have a practice. It's almost like this thing that we share. Um, and then we get together and sometimes we make a lot of music. Sometimes we make half of music and we catch up and find out how we're doing. How are the kids? How's the job? How's the stuff that we, I feel like it would be nice if we did more often, but uh, life gets in the way. So how cool that life and the family be kind of become one thing. That's fantastic. Pretty cool. That's, that's how often that's do you... off-label use. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how often does the uh, Biondi family band play? Um, it's pretty sporadic. So we went, uh, when the pandemic kicked in, we were playing about every, it seemed like every month or two, which was just enough that every week we would try to get together. Sometimes we would, sometimes we wouldn't, but it was always on the roster to do. So after that, we haven't played together since 
it's been over a year and a half or so, to be invited onto the things. It'll be events, crab feast, fundraisers. It's the kind of thing that we that we hone in on. We were booked to play here before we ended up closing down the music for a while. <laughs> March 20th. Yeah, it was like three <laughs> days, three days before, uh, after the shutdown is when our ticket sales were, oh. which is cool. So some of the people at the show on the 30th, some of those people actually had tickets for that show that never came about. So it was an IOU and now. You, you know, when they, when they shut it down, I think everybody sat there and said, okay, well, we'll just knuckle down for these two weeks and this will be over. Yes. <laughs> Here we yes. are 15 months later. It's, uh, and we went and made it up as as we went along. Yeah. So there was a lot and to it. We're still doing it. Yeah. But if somebody were to come and enjoy the show and uh, wonder if we were going to be playing it, we would probably be back around in, in the next month or two. You know, you would want to like the Facebook page or have some sort of connection on the social media to get the alerts. But we're we're around. We're, we're neighborhood folks and, and we we pop up where we can. That uh, Goshen Farm is such a great program that they have right outside of Cape St. Clair, and they have the Friday night free concert series, which has really become our, our home kind of style there. I did a matinee uh, maybe two months ago here at Ramshead, and it was cool to be able to say, hey, bring your kids. Uh, don't worry about getting a babysitter kind of thing. And, and something like the outdoor concert series, same kind of go. And we, we just like stuff like that. I wish they would do more matinees just because uh, and or we'll say all ages shows or something like yeah. that, because I think live music and just music in general is just so important to kids to today when everybody lives behind a screen and a, and a highly produced YouTube video or whatever it may be to get out there and see somebody doing something live burps and all. I mean, you know, there's, you know, say, oh, it's not the track that I heard on the video. It sounds a little bit different. And, and to realize that it's, it's just so important to instill that and whether you whether you play it or just appreciate it. I mean, I can't play. I mean, I bought a guitar during COVID saying, I'm going to teach myself how to play guitar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Collecting <laughs> a little bit of dust. You know, well, you know, it's, it's, it's gathering dust in my room and it's, it's fine. But, uh, cause I have, I don't have any kind of musical ability. So this is fantastic. And you are, you're local, right? I mean, you're. Yeah. So born in, uh, raised in Cape St. Clair. So okay, for so a little while are, there. Are you a Bruin, a Broadneck Bruin? Yeah, yeah, graduated from Broadneck and um, have lived around the peninsula pretty much my, my whole life. I spent a few years out in Boulder, Colorado, which was uh, wonderful for my culinary uh, career. They had some progressive things going on and some nutritional aspects of the, it was just good to get around and about. But my favorite thing about going somewhere else was realizing how much I love home. And I wouldn't have been able to do that because I was one of the kids that I'm walking around here saying to myself, you know, oh, there's nothing to do in Annapolis. Or I, I think it's pretty Again, it's not uncommon to feel that way about sure. your hometown if you spend a lot of time in it. But uh, traveling a little bit and getting out and about really made me, when I moved back home, realize how fortunate I was. It's an awesome place to live. It's a, a lot of great art, music, food. You know, the, the Wizard of Oz sort of had it right. You know, there is no place like home. And it's uh, and, and there's some truth to that. Yeah, absolutely. Ramps on stage, usually for artists that come in, they develop a special menu for artists that come in. Do we have a special menu for the Biondi family band? <laughs> no, I guess uh, some of the culinary resources are going to be stressed out that day. So we're gonna, <laughs> um, we did recently revamp the onstage options because we operate from a separate kitchen for the onstage venue. And Is there a separate kitchen for it? There's a separate kitchen for it. So that's why those offerings aren't exactly the same. So it's a different ballgame when uh, 300 and... 40 people are going to sit down and they all eat at once. And so you don't have the same dynamic well, you would have over in a tavern. So you need to come up with something that's delicious, but it has to be functional in a smaller space. Um, but we brought in things like crispy duck tacos and uh, some dessert options, slider sandwiches that are shareable that you can feel like. Because, I, I mean, I remember watching a comedian here one time and eating a crab cake and I had like coleslaw hanging out of my mouth. And I was trying to listen and, and also it looked like I, he had my undivided <laughs> attention, but I was eating something that was pretty serious and something about it didn't seem like right. it 
it was clicking, but uh, we, we put a lot of thought into the how the food's going to be eaten, how it's going to be served, how we can still maintain uh, our standard of, of quality, but be able to make a lot of it at one time. Because again, it really is everybody in at once, all food in at once, and then all food stops, which is a, a real challenge. But we love it and we love the challenge. Well, that's, that's true. I know that they say, I, I don't remember the exact number, but I know they've told me they do 300 and you know, in a, in a, in a typical year, they would do, you know, 350, 360 shows a year at Ramshead on stage. So that's like, uh, 300 weddings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really everybody is. Everybody sits down. And- it really is. I, fortunately, I have a uh, catering as one of my experiences. Because um, it's, it's very much like that. Uh, but this is the family here. And, uh, there's a lot of big waves of excitement before the show on the tavern side of the restaurant side too. So we have come to, uh, this is unlike any other restaurant I've ever worked at. There's a, a closeness, and all the restaurants I've worked at had a closeness, but it, um, the intensity of what can happen here. There's energy from famous artists. You know, we just had Billy Bob on stage here, and it could be the people that play on that stage to track over to the music part. I'm, I'm going to be standing there, and I have stood there before, and thinking about Citizen Cope, who in my younger days was a big inspiration, uh, the singer-songwriter guy. But also, uh, as time went on, and I got this, my girlfriend got me a resonator guitar for Father's Day, and I'm doing some slide, and I'm standing where Taj Mahal and Keb Mo had performed. These are people who are my heroes. And uh, they come in here, and they make an energy on the other side of the tracks, too, over there in the tavern. And so there will be a certain amount of energy, and then these hundreds of people come in because they want to go to the show, and they're about to have dinner, and what they're drinking, they're celebrating. You know, it's like being a part of a party, yeah. 300 64 days a year, which is no wonder why my life has had ups and sure. downs and some sure. challenges there where I've, I've run out of steam or had to take a moment back and reflect. And I'm in a great place now. So I always consider myself to be stronger from it or uh, for right. it. But it's, uh, it, it provides a closeness here because we get together and, and we have to perform as a staff. And uh, it takes a lot of dedication and it takes a lot of being easy on each other and cutting each other breaks and, and sticking together for the, the benefit of one good. And that's um, to be a unique venue right here in Annapolis. That really is unlike any other place you're going to be able to catch music, I feel like, in the, in the area. Can the food be as good as the music? It is a fun game I like to play. And um, now I get to flip the coin, and hopefully uh, the music cool. can be as good as the food. It is cool. That's really Little cool. Well, there's, there's a reason that Rams had on stage the, the music venue portion of, of the business is named one of the top small clubs in the world year after year after year. And you talk about you know, the people that have come on that stage before you. And the sort of reverence that I, I can see in, you know, in, in your face here is is pretty impressive. And I, I remember I got into a conversation with somebody at, uh, I think it was Warped at Merriweather one time. And they were backstage and it was just some, you know, punk ass band. And I had a conversation. I said, do you realize what's come on the stage before you? And, and you think Merriweather is obviously it's a different type of a venue than than this is. And I, I'm like, I know it's not your stuff, but that wing out there on the other, the expansion, I said, that was put there so women, we could get enough women in here to throw their panties up at Tom Jones. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, Pretty amazing. I, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that was the impetus behind that. I mean, when yeah. you look, you know, talk about the Grateful Dead, you know, you look at Jackson Brown writing, uh, you know, writing the song right there when they're, and a lot of the kids didn't realize that. So I th- I'm, I'm thrilled that you, you talk about what has come on here and your heroes and stuff. Yeah. else. This is so cool. Okay. We've got a non-singing by request, chef in the uh, <laughs> you know, in the kitchen. Yet, come across the wall, and on August thirtieth at seven p.m., you're going to see Carlo Biondi with the Biondi Family Band performing here at Ramshead on stage. And tickets are available at RamsheadOnStage.com. And you want to go to RamsheadGroup.com. 
And check out the menus because you've done an outstanding job on on the menus. And I, you know, I'm bad. I have not been up to the one up at Glen Burnie Dockside. Oh, okay. You know, whether it's the Shore House, whether it's the Roadhouse, which tends to be my go-to for trivia on uh, Wednesday nights. But it's uh, it, you, you've done an outstanding job, and uh, I, I do love that each restaurant has its own little unique. Sp- been yet a lot of familiarity to it. You know, I know you've got a lot of nods up at the Roadhouse to Rudy's that was there prior to that. And it's great, but this is cool. I'm looking forward to seeing you on the 30th here at Ramshead on Stage. Again, tickets are available at ramsheadonstage.com. Which song should we play at the end as we go out of here? Oh, I really think we should probably take it out with Gypsy off of the Soul City Compass album, which was the old Baltimore band that we have, and we do renditions of it in the family now, but it should be a good one to take us out. And where do we go to to hear you? YouTube? Um, you, you can find it on YouTube. We uh, frequently have our music on Facebook, the Beyond Brothers Band. Uh, we used to do Reverb Nation, but I think that went out of style. So I'm actually... Are they still, still in business? I don't think I they are. <laughs> I was the last one to get the, the notice, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, my brother had to straighten me out on that after I plugged it live one night. Uh, but it'll always be, it's one of those, it'll always be out and about. You just start with the Beyondy Brothers Band, and uh, most of it's going to be on Facebook. But I'm looking forward to finding some new some new venues and to get it out on some new medians. So. Carlo Biondi, thank you very much. Thanks for having me and for supporting local music and supporting local restaurants.
has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.